0: Before I begin, I was just going to, um, as, as wish you a happy new year, I was thinking about, you know, as, with the men in here, with the dads, husbands, right? It's not too often we get pretty cool gifts for Christmas, right? We're kind of more the gift givers, right? It's like, ah, oh, if I want something, I'll take care of it. People relate to that comment, you know, I got everything I need, I don't need to go get me something. So, well, I will tell you that I got a pretty cool gift share pretty cool gift. Uh, I'm not sure if any of you guys have it, but uh, you have anyone, in, anybody got a Fitbit? Fitbit, yeah, Taylor's got Fitbit. So uh, we got a few Fitbits. Well, my wife bought Fitbits for, I think, everybody we know. Do you, I'm surprised we don't all have a Fitbit. In any, <laughs> but, uh, um, so my wife bought Fitbits for pretty much everybody, and it's been a lot of fun. And and uh we've been doing these Fitbit challenges and the way this works is it's kind of you know you, you have this and it measures your steps and and different things that you're doing around your health and you can issue challenges to your friends and and it's really been really neat especially with with how scattered our family is and the one thing I've seen on this is it's kind of really pushed me it pushed her, I mean, my wife's getting on the treadmill at 9.30 just to beat her sister, and I mean, we got some sick people in the Kittridge family, and uh, um, but uh, and very competitive, but, but it's reminded me of the importance of walking with others. It's reminded me of the importance of friendship and accountability, and it's reminded me of the importance of things like this that we do. I mean, it's one another. You know, we all get a great source of encouragement from the Lord. You know, that's where our strength comes from. But I think that oftentimes we get that we God God you know fills our cup you know through other people. And so, hopefully, this will be a year where we'll encourage one another, um, not just through our fitbits, but through this group to grow in our faith, uh, to take the next step. And um, we're very very excited. As you'll see, we got a great list of speakers. Um, great week, Set the speakers lined up for the upcoming months. And, uh, today we're, we're kind of kicking off something new where Pat is going to be the, uh, Pat, Pat's going to be speaking to us. Pat's the first outside speaker. When I say outside speaker, I mean, non-kind of member at REMC. Um, and very excited to have Pat with us. You know, one of the things as we, is, uh, as the, as this men's group is continuing to evolve is... We want to provide some opportunities for men to take another step in their uh, in their faith journey. And also to provide opportunities for you to invite those people that you might be having spiritual Fitbit challenges with uh, to take the next step. And we're going to provide a number of different, uh, you're going to provide some, um, through our outside speakers, we're going to introduce you into some, um, some um, Bible study opportunities, some service opportunities this year and just try to get some things on your radar. And I know this is a I'm looking out this is a busy crew that we have here. Uh but it's also a crew that knows uh um, uh that has a has a great deal of impact and influence on others. So with no further ado, I'm I'm going to turn it over to Pat. Pat is um Pat's in full-time ministry man. Um sure Pat's going to tell you more about his him and his ministry called Mac Ministries. Uh, I got to know Pat probably 10 to 12 years ago and, uh, have been, uh, uh, have been met with him several times over the year and he's always provided me with a great source of encouragement and inspiration. Even this morning provided me a, with a, with a, with a, with a, with a good word uh, on something that, uh, something I'm trying to sort through. Um, and Pat's gonna, uh, Pat's gonna share a little bit about his story and about, about, uh, about his ministry. He's going to also talk about, uh, a class that we have coming up, um, uh, class that we coming, have coming up for, uh, for the men of the church. So thank you again for being here this morning and Pat, thanks for joining us.
1: So how many of you all have a vehicle without heat or, or the heater working? There you go. You're still here. Wow. My car's running, the heat's running fine in it, but I thought about that going, Feel so sorry for, you know, I, it didn't seem too long ago that my car, I had a car that always, the heater would work sometimes, and sometimes it wouldn't, and it would be a tough morning for that to happen. Um. Let me open us with prayer, please. Wonderful Father, thank you for this time you give us here at 6.45 in the morning, and at your church here that you give us this opportunity just to come and fellowship in your son's name whose we belong to Lord we just ask that you open our hearts and ears this morning and let our sharing and discussion just glorify you, in Jesus name we pray Amen It was probably the summer of 2004 and how many of you have heard of a Ministry organization called Man in the Mirror or Pat Morley. So I had ventured down to Orlando, Florida to the headquarters of Man in the Mirror to as for my own kind of growth and going to a, a three or four day seminar. I can't remember how long it was, but the title of it was how to build a or how to build a sustaining men's ministry. And at the time I was very active at my home church which is in Marietta and in its first presbyterian church of Marietta Georgia. And I went with another friend and we were sitting in a room of 75 to 100 men from all over the country and Pat was speaking to us and he made a comment about he goes do you know what the problem with men is? And I Pulled out a sheet of paper, said, okay, this will be good. And I saw others pulling out, and he goes, let me share with you, and I'm going to read here from some scripture, what the problem with men is, and he read to us from Mark chapter 12, verses 18 through, I think, like 23 or so. says, then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher. Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died leaving no child. Now, it was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection... Whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? And Jesus replied, are you not in error because you do not know the scripture or the power of God? And then he goes on and talks about the living Lord that we have and that things won't be the same in heaven as they are here on earth. But he, you know, closed up his Bible. So there you go. That's the problem with men. And I had the same look you all had.
0: <laughs>
1: exactly. I um <laughs> looked at my friend, and he looked at me, and so I'll come back to this story in a few minutes. So you all hang out here. Um, I promise to be done by nine thirty this morning. So, <laughs> Go for it. yeah, exactly. Again, my name's Pat McPherson. I am a native of Marietta. Then there, my mom grew up there, my grandfather grew up there. I am married to my wife of 17 years, Bridget, who's from Chicago. We have five children. My youngest is six years old. My oldest is about to turn 15. So we have a busy household, especially at Christmas time. <laughs> and yes, the the gifts are... um Yeah, it is a good year when you get a gift that is like, wow. So my wife got one of those, so she didn't share it with me, though. Um, Maybe that will happen next year. I um, went to Georgia Southern for undergrad. I took a job right out of college with Georgia Pacific Corporation as a gopher in their law department. I spent several years... We were in the midst of environmental um dioxin litigation, so I would go to Southern Mississippi, where there were pulp and paper mills, if anybody's familiar with that industry and I would find office space for the attorneys and Then, when the trials start, they would usually last anywhere from six to twelve weeks and I'd sit on the front bench with the counsel and be in charge of the exhibits and so that was my introduction into the corporate world back then and quickly realized I was not made out to be in the legal arena. But I did pursue two master degrees at Georgia State University during that time, one in MBA and then one in healthcare administration where I ended up spending about 15 years doing benefit administration at one at Georgia Pacific, doing managing their health care plans, their HMOs, things like that. I also worked for a while with John Deere, and my last tenure was with Hewitt Associates, which is a um, kind of a consulting slash outsourcing firm. And my my client at that Hewitt Associates, where I was there for six years, was Southern Companies. I felt like I had a good focus of Southern type companies. John Deere is more of a Midwestern, but definitely have some roots here in the Southeast. But about 13 years ago, I definitely was experiencing (coughs) some discontent with work. And so I had grown up in a house. I had grown up in the church. I do not remember a time that I did not know who Jesus was. My mom and dad were (coughs) great at making sure we knew of the Lord, at least, and knew the Lord. And I had plugged into a Bible study, a group of men who met on Friday mornings. And one of the more common themes of our Bible study was we all worked in the Cumberland Mall area. So it was a group of men that I did not actually know, and we all went, had different church backgrounds. So it was... A great group for me at that time and, but with things going on at work, I felt like I just was missing out on some opportunities. So I'd gotten my resume together and decided I'd share it with some of the men in this group. And we, as I passed the resume around, one of the men said, let's get together. I want to hear more about what you're interested in doing. And this man was a, I think a VP of sales and a startup. Um, software company. So it was a great opportunity to network a little more, especially with this gentleman who I had started to to get to know him. So the next week, it was, I believe, a Tuesday morning at breakfast. I'm sharing with him my interest in what I was pursuing and why I was wanting to leave Hewitt Associates. And I remember him at the end of the conversation saying, well, let me share something with you. He goes, it sounds like you're discontent, not necessarily with work. But with your relationship with the Lord, and I was like, "Wow, well, you know, I go to church every Sunday, and you know, you must not know me that well, because you know, I've you know got a great attendance record, and you know, involvement, and I'm in the men's group, and you know." And he said, "Well, let me share something with you." He goes, "If you could, you know, audibly hear God talking to you right now," and he said, "Pat, I got plans to use you." At Hewitt, I don't want you to leave. What would you do? And kind of just without even thinking through it, I just said, "Well, look, I have a a path I'm on, a career plan, and it's real important. I've worked hard to get where I'm at, and I and, you know I hear you, but I've got to make some choices here, and that's kind of where I'm headed. And but somewhere in there, at the same time, I shared. But I sure do wish I could trust God in a way that I might listen to that. And he goes, well, let's keep meeting together. He goes, come back next week and we'll have breakfast again. Well, that breakfast lasted a year and a half, and it was weekly. And what happened during that time was I got discipled. And I didn't know it at the time that that's what was happening. But each week, this gentleman, his name was Dave, he would come in and he would he was married had three kids you know and he would come in sharing some problem he was having either work or at home or something and he always had a scripture with him that he would share with me that seemed to be to resonate with what was going on with him and I would listen to it and and then he would also say well do you mind if we pray about this and he would pray and he's like well it's great meeting with you we'll get back together next week and that went on for some time and One of the things that, one of the things I was recognized was like, wow, these meetings are all about him all the time. (laughs) But something else started happening there. I started thinking, I wish I knew the Bible like he does. He really goes and looks for answers in scripture. As maybe opposed to me who would go to scripture for comfort as opposed to answers and he got and i also was noticing how he prayed about everything it you know wasn't just crisis prayers it was you know legitimate and he just seemed to have this conversation with the lord kind of like i would have maybe with my boss or you know at times with my wife and i started finding that i was desiring that and i started you know over the course of 2 or 3 months i found myself started and i'm going to plug into the bible more it became over time just something I did on a daily basis because I really didn't know where to start there. How do I come to know the Bible? You know, and I've been going to church all my life and hearing about the Bible and hearing about the Lord. How do I take that and jump in to that? And that was something foreign to me. And I found myself praying, especially at work about just almost regular daily meetings. I found myself before the meeting praying. Which was unusual for me. So as that, wow. during that, those, that year and a half, early into that, like within the first three months, one of my coworkers, who was one of my right hand men on the team, he and I were early birds, so with, I remember one Monday morning, about six in the morning, he came to my door, to my office, and said, do you mind if we, you know, if I come in and talk, and he closed the door, and he said, I became a Christian over the weekend. And he goes, you're a Christian, right? And I said, well, yeah. yeah. And I said, you know, sit down. His name was Jim. And he started just sharing what had happened. He was mid-40s, married with kids. And he said that his dad had invited him on a Habitat mission trip. Because he had taken the week before off from work. And his Dad was in Birmingham, but they actually took a trip out to Colorado, and he did it just to get away from the family and spend some time with his dad. And he goes, and wow, he goes, something happened that week. I'm really not sure, but Jesus really revealed himself to me. And he said, and, you know, I'm excited for him. And he says, but I'm scared to death. And I said, well, of what? And he goes, well, my wife, my kids, we're not Christians. We don't go to church anywhere. He goes, I'm not sure what to do here. He goes, I haven't even said anything to them because, you know, I would just come on, scoop them all up and take them down the street to the closest church and say, look what I found. And he goes, and they're going to think I'm a freak. (laughs) And it was, you know, but I could hear the sensitivity, the, the earnest, you know, concern he had. And so I started sharing with him what was going on in my life with this man named Dave. And what we Jim and I decided to do was start meeting every Monday morning at, in my office at 6 a.m. before the, the crowd came. And just have a time of prayer for him. Because I didn't have any advice on how to go about what next steps take. But I said, let's pray about this. Let's you and I just start meeting. And that we did for the next two or three years until I actually left Hewitt Associates. But I, over time... Got to watch over time. It was about a, over about a year's worth of time that his wife and all three of his kids had plugged into a church. He actually lived down the street from a pastor of a church who invited him and it was neat watching the Lord work there. During that time I started meeting with Jim, another man that I had known previously had contacted me and we went to lunch just to catch up and he was sharing with me that he was Dating a girl that he wanted to get engaged to, but she had some reservations about engagement because she said that um she felt like his he had he did not take his faith as seriously as she wanted him to, and I was like, "Wow, and he was like, and I thought of you and was wondering what you had to think what you thought about that. Well, the group I would have been in in that Friday morning group, we had gone through a book called um We're in the process of going through a book called Disciplines of a Godly Man. It's a great book, especially helping me. I remember it just did great wonders for me in just applying my faith to a daily walk. So his this gentleman was named Pat. I said, well, Pat, you need to read this book. It's been very helpful for me. And what happened was he and I decided to start meeting once a week before work and going through the book together. Well, that happened with two other men. That I know, and so that's saying no Monday through Friday morning, I am booked up, <laughs> up before work. <clears throat> not sure what I'm doing here, but <laughs> but I'm really just having conversation with other Christian men about how to go deeper in their faith. And what I was finding out quickly was I was not alone in not knowing how, as a Christian, to go deeper in that relationship with Christ. I didn't know how to take those next steps and take and how to do that. Well, so what are, what I'm really sharing with you is about a, a, about a year period in my life where I grew dramatically in my walk, in my faith, in my relationship with Christ. And I really started coming to know this living Lord that we claim to worship named Jesus. And something else that happened during that year was, a pastor at my home church had retired, so we had a new pastor come in. And he was actually a pastor that was very gung ho about men's ministry, which had not had a big presence at this church. And I kept hearing about these group of men similar to you all meeting on Sat, every other Saturday morning, early in the morning, and having actually a social time. And then they would break off into small groups. And I kept getting invited here and there because I was plugged into Sunday school and things. And kept saying, well, you know, my mornings are busy during the week and I need to be at home. And At that point in time, I think I had one kid and thought the world was falling apart. So little did I know. Um, but eventually I gave it a try one Saturday. And really loved it because m- many of the men I knew just from being in that church for so long. But also remember just that first Saturday morning going and someone saying, hey, you come with us in our group when we break off. And these groups stayed together for a period of time. And what those men started talking about were real personal issues going on in their lives, not just issues but things that I was like, wow, we don't share like this in Sunday school. This is neat, I like this, how these guys that I know that I had no idea were having some of the struggles and some of the difficulties. And, Tim, you might be able to understand this thought. I got very excited about things, started showing a lot of enthusiasm about Saturday mornings. Before you know it, I was in charge of Saturday mornings. <laughs> we churches know how to do that, right? We. <laughs> But in it, we were averaging about 100 men on Saturday mornings, so it became a real um, time-consuming ministry that I got involved in. And so here we are in this year period where all of a sudden I go from maybe one morning a week joining a Bible study to meeting five mornings a week, one on one, being intentional to talk about what we were doing to grow our faith and what was working and what wasn't working, and to share and just have a listening board to be able to share about what was going on. I found myself diving into the Bible because I wanted to Mm -hmm. use the Bible in a way that I could get answers and get direction from. I also got more involved with this men's ministry where, as you know, just coming once a month to a breakfast like this can strengthen relationships over time. And doing that over the course of a year, I had some friendships all of a sudden at my home church that I'd never dreamed I would have in the uh-huh. just authentic friendships that were there. And so what the pastor at the time I remember pulled me aside one day and just said, Hey, we've never done a men's retreat. Would you mind organizing one for this, you know, especially for the Saturday morning? Maybe we could get away for a weekend and get about 50 men together and do something. So I said sure and got connected with someone who would be a speaker for the weekend. And for about six months, he and I decided to meet, you know, once a month to really talk about this retreat. During that time, I remember him sharing with me, asking me what I was doing with my life. So what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, You've got a real passion for Christ and you have a real passion for men, but I don't see you with a great passion for your job and your work that you do in your career wise, which mm-hmm. I actually think I'd become more content at work. You know, I, I end up staying listening to that to Dave and staying put and I actually put away my resume, which at the time no one was biting on my resume i think i gave it to everybody but my boss and was getting getting nowhere with it and i remember at one point just behind closed doors in my office saying okay lord i'm going to stay put i'm not going to pursue anything and i'm here you just show me what you need me to do and when you submit like that as usual with the lord things start becoming more clear and they're For me, I just started having a stronger amount of contentment with work. So I wasn't thinking that. I thought everything actually was going well. You know, know, I had a good job. I could see the Lord at work in my life a little bit. And things at home were good. And I, I think by then another child had come into the picture. And that became just a regular event for about 10 years. And, um, but... When the gentleman asked me, he said, "I, you know, I see you have a passion for men and passion for Christ. And have you ever thought about doing ministry? That I, you know, was like, well, yeah, I have, but I'm not sure what that really means because I feel like I am doing ministry. And so he kind of gave me some thoughts and they were just things that I held on to and didn't really share with anybody until about that was in like May of 2004 or so or April. And in June in 2004, my family, we had gone down to the beach, to St. Simons, for a week. And one night, one evening on the beach, I started telling my wife about the conversation. Just knowing, being interested in seeing how she would perk up to it. My wife grew up Catholic in Chicago. And I knew that, you know, when you said ministry to her, she thought of a priest or a nun. (laughs) And so... I said, you know, this man Buck and I shared with him her what he said, and she goes, Well, what do you want to do about that? And I said, Well, I think I need to kinda explore this with the Lord and and I'm not sure. She goes, Well, are you thinking that you might be led to go to seminary? And I said, Oh, I hope not. I'm schooled out. <laughs> and she agreed. She was like, Yeah and but it was um so what we decided to do that night was spend the rest of the summer and I picked out about 15 men that I'd become really close to. That I had a respect for just their faith and they all, these men all seemed to have a concrete path of in their careers. And I decided to meet with each one at one point during the summer and before we met I'd ask them if I were to, if I were not at Hewitt Associates where would you see me working? well, that took the meeting with that many folks took about three months, and during that time, each one would always respond something in ministry. you know I've been able to see your passion and your your just focus for Christ, and I think that's where you're being led to and a couple men actually went so far to say, you know pat, if you I've thought about you pursuing this, and if you want to take a leave of absence from work." so you can really explore maybe what God's putting on your heart, then we'll pay your bills for a month. So there was some strong feedback that I couldn't just ignore. But at the same time, Bridget, when she looked at the list of men that I was going to meet with, was excited because she thought, oh, these guys are going to say you're in the right spot. You don't need to do anything. So I was coming home that summer from a meeting each week and, her saying, well, how'd it go? And I was like, wow, it's great. And I was getting all excited. Didn't know about what. Cause at the time I really didn't know what it meant to go into ministry. It was still something very foreign to me from that perspective. And, but uh, she was also though getting more and more fearful of it and what that meant. So around end of August of that summer, things came to a head really with, um, and I, Remember one man I was talking to, and he said, "Well, how is Bridget with things?" and I said, "Oh, she is really hating this. <laughs> she really thinks that I'm in a good place, and that you know the Lord's doing things with me, and we got a good job and she and he said, "Well, I would then just put everything on hold until the Lord brings you two onto the same page." And so that day I called her and said, hey, let's go to lunch. And she said, you've never called me from the office for going to lunch. So she (laughs) knew something was up. And I said, well, don't you and I just take a break from talking about this ministry thing until after Christmas. I was actually about to enter into a very busy time at work. If you've been in benefits at the fall, is planning for your January benefit plans. And there's just a big rush period. And she loved it. She was like, absolutely. But we both did agree that we would pray about it and just ask God to get us on the same page on what was happening. Well, around October, that was the end of August, around October of 2004, Bridget had gone to a women's event at some church in Buckhead with some friends. And I remember she got home late in the evening and, you know, was excited and said, look, Whatever, we gotta chase after whatever God's calling us to do. We, if it's ministry, we need to go figure out what it is and let's do it. I was like, wow, okay. And what she had done is gone to a, um, a seminar where the theme of it was, I dare you to move. And of course the message from the lady who spoke at this event was really saying how many times we miss out on callings just because of the risk of the, you know, just the uncertainty in us being able not to take that next step. And she goes, I really think God is pushing us to do something. So we still waited till after December, but what I did in that January, and it was 2005 of January, was I called, I think, most 12 of the 15 men and their wives all came over one night for just a social And I shared with them the feedback they had all given me, because I had been journaling the feedback. And I also, by then, had an idea of wanting to be able to get more time away from work so I could spend my mornings meeting with men, because it had gotten to where actually every morning before work I was meeting at 6 a.m. with someone and then 7 a.m. with someone else, and then trying to be at work by 8.30, and... I was actually getting phone calls from men and me saying, "Yeah, I actually don't have time to meet with you." So work was actually getting in the way, and that was becoming obvious. So when I shared this, seven of the men approached me and said, "We really we've been talking among ourselves and we really think that you are being called to do to leave or to do something that make a change in your career so you can be more available to be used by the Lord." Let us help you do that. So that started about a 10 month process of developing what we, what Tim mentioned is MAC Ministries, Men Abiding in Christ Ministries is what it stands for. And, but at that time I got my boss involved. And so when it be, and I, when we first started out I was thinking again, figuring out a way at work to be able to move to maybe a part time or shorter you know, to a different position there. And it became clear within the first 90 days that, no, I think God's calling me out of Hewitt. And So I remember when I walked into my boss's office to talk to her about, you know, what I felt like was being called, she said, well, can you give me five more months and we can hire, you can hire your pr- replacement and train them. And I said, that sounds like a good plan. And sure enough, so we did a five-month exit plan, and by September of 2005, we were in a place financially uh, in drawing support from the community and and also in other areas to launch Men Abiding in Christ Ministries. So that happened. It was about a two-and-a-half to three-year transition that actually occurred when I What has developed since 2005 with Mac Ministries is I continue to spend the bulk of my day one-on-one with men. I find myself usually meeting with 10 to 15 men a week. And it's usually very similar. It's focused on discipleship. It's men who are Christians. And the catalyst maybe for meeting might be an issue, maybe something going on in the marriage financially or at work or with children. But it usually falls back into how can I take this opportunity to grow my dependence on the Lord? And I find that that is something that we men struggle with, especially from a natural, from how do we naturally gravitate to Lord and, you know, strengthen that relationship that, you know, I use the word dependence. So I do still spend most of my days doing that, and that has never let up over the past nine and a half years. Something that has also grown was starting in the spring of 2006, I got a phone call from another Presbyterian church out in Douglasville who had heard what I'd been doing with men's ministry there and said, can you help us get something going at our church? So I end up Going and spending like six months meeting weekly with this leadership team, and I took them through a book called No Man Left Behind that Pat Morley had wrote that talked about how to build a sustaining men's ministry. And using, and a lot of times I'll talk and I'll say sometimes that men's ministry doesn't work, but ministry to men does. And what I mean by that is in our walk with the Lord, in that relationship, it's sustained by the focus being on the Lord and not on a program or not on a certain event. Now, the events and programs are catalyst for ministry, so we're, they go hand in hand. But a lot of times I find that when we're focused on men's ministry, the focus is too much on the event and getting the numbers of men to the event, as opposed to, for example, just gathering the men versus growing the men. And so what I've found is I have worked with about 10 churches over the past eight or nine years. And I work with a leadership team on how do we become intentional about discipleship within the men's program. And usually it's not about bringing and starting new programs. I mean, a church like this is the life of this church has got programs that are recognized throughout the community. But it's maybe stepping back and say, well, why again do we do this? And kind of getting back into, is it funneling everything to growing our relationships with men? Um, Let me go back to Pat Morley. He said, what was the problem with men? And the question was, whose wife will she be? So it was posed, it was a weird question. It was a weird scenario, I think. And I thought it was even weirder when Pat assumed that there was an answer there on what was the problem with men. But Jesus' response was, no, that's not it. You're in error because you don't know Scripture, nor do you know the power of God. And actually, when I did hear that, it resonated with me because it hit me when that man Dave said, in essential, do you really trust God? Do you really trust this Savior that you call Jesus? That, you know, that you claim. And I, and I really just said no. And part of it was because I didn't know scripture. Therefore I didn't know the sovereignty and the power of God and how much He loved me. And once I started down that path, a whole new life opened up, a whole new direction. Um, my message is not today that you need to go quit your nine to five job. <laughs> Trust me. That it is. How can you be more intentional about your faith and about your relationship with Christ? And how does that look in your day-to-day? And What does it mean to be intentional? Starting in two Fridays, we're going to start meeting every Friday through May 1st. So it's for just about 12 weeks. And I've actually put together a discussion format that we'll have each week through reading some different... Um, articles and different things that I'll pull in that I'm calling Intentional Leadership. And I encourage you all to come join us. Um, there's space for about 20 because don't want it being too big because it is a discussion format. But if you can carve out time on Friday mornings, I think we put from 6.30 to 7.45 every Friday. I would love for you to do it. I think that when we start talking about leadership, My experience personally has been, I fall back to what role I have. But as when we look in the Bible, especially at chapter 11 in Hebrews, and we're reminded of the faith of so many patriarchs from the Old Testament, what we see was their response to the Lord, which opened so much for leadership to happen. And we see it today. And I really believe that when we're intentional about leadership, that intentionality needs to be focused on our response to the Lord, as opposed maybe to the role we have. It might sound a little bit confusing, but so I ask that you consider being a part of this group. Consider someone who might not be here today that might be wanting to be a part of it. And there is a handout on the table, so please, and there's a place to sign up or just show up. That's... There's um, and that's all you have to do. I really appreciate you all letting me come this morning and share. Tim, thanks for pursuing me here and getting me here, and I look forward to spending the next three months with many of you. So let me close us in prayer. Lord, thanks again for this time. Lord, I just lift up what you're going to have us be doing over the next few months. Lord, just let that time on Friday mornings be your time and let us be in a place where we can be molded and shaped by you. Lord, just let your son have the glory and let it be honorable to you. And Lord, just let us grow in it. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. amen.
0: Wow, that was, uh, that was that was fantastic. Thank you, Pat. Um, if you would just, we have a few minutes. Um, I'd like you to spend a little bit of time talking this morning about what you feel maybe God's doing in your heart as you as you turn the corner. Um, you know, if there's any uh, New Year's resolutions that you're thinking about with regard to your faith walk specifically, and um, let's just spend. Spend, uh, five to ten minutes, uh, talking about that at our tables, please. Alright everybody, uh, just a couple of minutes before eight, so certainly, uh, feel free to continue the discussion after we leave, but <coughs> want to make sure that we're, uh, that we're dismissing everybody on time. Uh, a couple of things that I just real quickly want to touch upon. Uh, first one is, uh, there's some service opportunities, um, that are available that we, we need some help with. Uh, that they're on the, uh, on the tables. Uh, please prayerfully consider, uh, prayerfully consider these opportunities to serve. Um, and as you, as you serve to, uh, to grow in your relationship, uh, with Christ. Um, second of all, um, I just want to thank Pat. Uh, if you can give a round of applause again for Pat for being there today. It was really an inspiring, encouraging uh, message, not only around his intentionality but also his faithfulness and um, his trust in the Lord and the process and the time that that took. I, you know, the, I was thinking about some of the things that were involved in his walk. I mean, I just can't imagine, you know, uh, taking a leap of faith like that. And, uh, um, and and I was I was thinking about some of the things that played a role as he did that and and. He talked about scripture, he talked about prayer, not just his prayers, but having other people pray for him. He talked about the role of his wife. Um, he talked about just a uh, patience and perseverance in his pursuit of God's will for his life. And the other thing he talked about was the role that other men played. I mean, men play a, a, just an incredible role in the, in the lives of other men. And it's just a reminder to me that we need to be praying each and every day about what, which men will I engage with today? And what, give me, give me the words that you want me to share with them. And, uh, you know, that's why we, that's why we do this. Um, you know, I, I, uh, speaking of that, you know, Rusty spent some time with me last week. Um, we talked about a lot of things, but one of the things that Rusty shared with me, um, he talked about was, uh, he talked about the wonders of God. And how about how there's just different things that one that that uh um he, he shared with me one thing and if you want to know it you can ask him. uh, uh just uh one of the things that, that that just was a wonder of God to him. And you know, one of the it was as I was driving here this morning, third day I was playing, it was uh God of Wonders. Um it's a fantastic song and and it you know, one of the things that is a wonder of so I've been thinking about that since then. I was like, Well, You know, what, you know, what are the wonders of God? And one of the wonders of God to me is that regardless of, of all the times that we fail and regardless of His omnipotent knowledge that we will fail again, He loves us. He loves us. And as we go into the new year and we feel that God's doing a work on our heart and we're talking about to each other about maybe some of the resolutions that we, that we know we, that we feel feel may we may be called to do in our in our faith life, we may be hesitant to take those steps in our spiritual journey because we just think we'll fail again. But we only we only Lord only knows what He has in store for us. And may we learn from uh Pat's example today of faithfulness and trust. And may we know that no matter what we do, even if we don't keep those New Year's resolutions, Or if we, if we trip and stumble as we, as we take those next steps, that God loves us. And may that, may that assurance of His enduring love and His goodness provide us with the strength and courage to take big steps this year in our faith walk together. May God bless you, may He bless our church, and may He bless the men's group in the new year. Thanks for being here today.